I don't know if you were following this story over the weekend, but an Edmonton family are expected, I believe, to be returning home from Oregon with their 13-year-old daughter tonight. And a 40-year-old Oregon man is in jail facing charges related to her disappearance. She was reported missing on June 24th after leaving for school, prompting a massive search involving hundreds of volunteers over several days. Now that she's been found, we are no longer naming her. CCTV footage obtained by police in Abbotsford, B.C., Friday showed the girl at a fast food restaurant about five kilometers from the Sumas border crossing into Washington state. The teen was eventually tracked down early Saturday in Oregon City, Oregon. That's some 1,500 kilometers from home. It's not clear how the teen crossed into the U.S. or if she did so with the suspect. Again, a 40-year-old Oregon man, Noah Madrano, is expected to be in court tomorrow to face charges surrounding the incident. He was arrested early Saturday by police in Oregon. Several police groups, including the FBI, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, and so forth, assisted in the investigation. Now, Edmonton police said the girl and the man accused in her disappearance met through social media. They didn't identify the platform that was used, but said that online history records obtained by investigators support a child luring charge in Canada, with other charges perhaps in the U.S. Experts say it is part of a disturbing spike that we're seeing of late in child luring incidents. Joining me now is Stephen Sauer. He's the director of Cybertip.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks. This is um, this was a really alarming story from someone in your shoes who pays a lot of attention to this. Just how uncommon is this sort of thing? Well, I think certainly the actual meeting up is quite uncommon. But what we are seeing in terms of luring is not so uncommon. So when we look at children or adults being uh, use, grooming children through online communications, we've seen, uh, you know, 120 percent increase in that type of activity in the last six months alone here at cybertip.ca. So it's not uncommon. And we're actually looking at it from, uh, you know, kind of a sense of urgency here where this is a very alarming trend. um, And we're seeing kids being groomed through online uh, communications at alarming rates right now. How do you how could you explain such a huge increase in such a short period of time? I think certainly kids are more engaged in technology. Um, There are a wide range of apps and services out there that allow them to connect without any restrictions to anyone in the world. Um, And I think, you know, there's also this increased um, issue of extortion occurring online as well, which is all interrelated with the the luring and grooming that occurs for youth on uh, through online communication platforms. Stephen, one of the things that I think surprises, I mean, I don't, I don't have teenage children, um, is that there's been so much awareness about the, the dangers of online luring out there. Uh, how is it that, that predators are still able to lure kids? And what is it that they're doing? How are they adapting? Uh, what should we know about that? Yeah, I think obviously these, um, these predators out online, they understand Uh, the vulnerabilities of youth. They understand their developmental level um, and they understand that persistence really works. Uh, You know, if you continually ask someone for something and, and, you know, you apply some pressure on them, eventually they will give in if they're not willing to just cease the communications altogether. 
and sometimes it's it's quicker than other times but really there you know there's a multitude of things that we want to talk about when we when we talk to youth related to their online communications including things like unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy interactions so like i said we you know we talked about persistence being one of them other things might be trying to use um, pity or guilt to have them comply with a request. Um, we've heard of some situations where, you know, they talk to the youth about having a, a sick sister or a sick brother and, and uh, you know, that they can make money by, by getting this, uh, you know, the, this imagery to, to them. Um, and then also, you know, like the, there are offenders out there who offer gifts, money, in exchange for this um, type of material. And we know that that's a factor as well. Um, kids that, that receive those um, then, then become um, compliant in that victimization. And, and unfortunately, they, they can be further victimized through that. What sort of platforms are being used now that maybe parents wouldn't be as aware of because they are relatively either new or they're platforms you mightn't think would be used to communicate? I, I, I think, you know, there's, there are quite a few different platforms out there. I, what I do want to highlight is that the biggest ones right now that we're seeing in terms of risk are Snapchat and Instagram. Um, but when we look at some of the smaller platforms, some of the platforms maybe you as a parent haven't heard about, um, you know, one might be Discord. Um, Discord isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a household name, although it is becoming more common. Um, that that is one platform that allows you to chat with uh, individuals and different servers um, under different topics, and, and you know there are really no restrictions on those. Um, you know, and then you have other platforms that allow you to talk to strangers. They randomly connect you with a stranger, and you know things like Omegle or Chat Roulette. These are tools that will automatically connect you on a video chat with a with a complete stranger anywhere in the world. Um, you don't know who's on the other end. You have no way of knowing if their video feed is even the real video feed. And this is often where we see children or youth being um, deceived in terms of their communication. So someone uses what's called a bait video, and they essentially use a video of a peer, a similar age peer. It looks like it could be, you know, a, a young female um, they appear to be communicating in real time, but really the video is, is they're so adept at, at using the video that they make it look like it's all in real time. And this is where kids, you know, kids run into issues because they're, you know, they're, they're deceived in these type of interactions. Parents, I imagine, would probably know something about Snapchat and Instagram. How are those tools used? We see them used in, uh, you know, in a lot of cases where it's kind of a, either a first connection point. So for example, Instagram, um, if the youth is posting pictures about themselves, um, posting inform public information, uh, you know, they, they're often used as an initial place to contact. They'll get a direct message from an individual who's found them on that platform. And then they might move them to a more private communications tool like Snapchat. So they, they can have ongoing conversations with the youth, uh, you know, get them to push them to engage in sexual activity or to send a sexual picture through that. You know, obviously, Snapchat is one of those tools that allows for the sending of Im images and gives you the sense that it will be, you know, that that image can be removed immediately or is only available for a short period of time. 
Um, but that's a false sense of security because that can be captured without that youth knowing and then used against them. I'm speaking with Stephen Sauer. He's the director of cybertip.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. We're talking about the case of a 13-year-old Edmonton a girl who's now back home or heading back home after being found in Oregon City. In Oregon, a 41-year-old man there faces child charges of child luring. He will appear in court, we believe, as early as tomorrow. It's a holiday in the U.S., of course, today. And we're just talking about some of the different warning flags, how to protect your kids, how kids can protect themselves against predators online. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about uh, just making sure that uh, that you have open lines of communication with your kids as well when it comes to these issues so they can feel uh, secure in telling you about them. Uh, we'll be back with that. Stephen Sauer is my guest this half hour. He's the director of cybertip.ca at the Canadian Center for Child Protection. We've been talking about online luring and just how much of an increase we've seen over the past six months, 120%, uh, believe it or not, and, and also highlight the risks highlighted by this case of a young Edmonton girl who found herself uh, crossing the border into the U.S. with a 41-year-old man, we believe, uh, ending up in Oregon, where she's been found uh, and is now being home or brought home by her parents. Uh, but that case certainly highlights a lot of the risks that we've seen of late. Um, how do you keep the lines of communication open with kids, Stephen, when it comes to trying to make sure you know what they're up to online and they don't get into something they don't get in over their head and then feel they cannot talk to you yeah i think it starts early um you know when you're getting them set up on technology for the first time it's it's having those regular conversations uh looking at it from the perspective of of this being a normal thing this is something that you should do on a regular basis you have conversations about what's happened at school you know what's happened in their lives uh, their intersections with friends, family, that sort of thing. Uh, so making it a regular conversation to talk about the social media platforms that they're engaged in, the apps that they're using, um, understanding who they're kind of chatting with. And these don't have to be formal conversations. These can be offhand conversations when you see them on their device. Just ask what they're up to. Uh, you know, ask a little bit more about uh, what, the, you know, kind of show some interest in, in what they're doing. Um, ask a little bit more about how the app works. And then on the back end, um, you as a parent can go and uh, as new apps come up that the child asks to download, to actually test those out yourself to see what are the parental controls that are available on that. What are the privacy settings that are available on that? How you can set it up as securely as possible. Um, and just understanding what can be sent through that app and how the how connections, how friends can be made and how communication occurs so that you have a little bit of an understanding of, of how it all works. Um, and like I said, this is this is not just a one off conversation. This is an ongoing communication. Um, and then finally, I would say that one of the important things is in terms of keeping an open communication with your child is ensuring that they know that if something goes too far, if, you know, if they're having uh, if they have concerns about something that they've come across online, that they can come to you and they can talk about that. Because certainly in this case, it would appear at least as far as looking into why an Amber Alert was issued and so forth, it appears that at least early on, there wasn't any indication that that this was happening, which is always how, how might that happen in, in, a, in a digital world? Well, I think sometimes things are hidden, right? Um, we don't always know everything that our children are engaged in. Um, we can't possibly know how everything everything that they're doing online. Um, but this is one of the reasons why it's important to have those ongoing conversations about it um, to really kind of understand what's happening 
um, as best we can. Uh, and, you know, if you need to use um, certain tools out there, there are some tools that allow you some controls over that device. Um, they allow you some uh, information or data. There are parental um, control software that gives you some information, some feedback on what's happening, allows you to keep an eye on things. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes it's also understanding what are the behavior changes that might be occurring for your child. So looking at things like, uh, you know, have they, are they a little more angry than they used to be? Are they a little more reserved, sad, or anxious, or um, secretive about what they're doing? Um, and do you see an increase in terms of their online activity? Are they, are they closing their door and, and engaging on activity? Or are they, um, are they hiding what they're trying to do online? Um, you, you know, you, when you ask questions, do they become defensive? And those aren't necessarily warning signs that something's, that your child is being harmed, but they are warning signs that you need to increase your involvement and communication to determine what is happening and, and why there are changes in the behavior for youth. Regulatory speaking, uh, is enough being done here to protect kids, do you think, uh, from people who use these different platforms to prey on them? No, I, I think there's much more that we could be doing from a regulatory standpoint. Um, you know, we, we often see these companies, uh, they, they benefit from the fact that there's very little regulation in this space. Um, you know, it, they don't have to put anything in place to protect children. Um, some do more than others. Uh, but certainly there are gaps in what is what is happening on these apps and services. We know that these companies could be doing more to protect their users, to protect youth from engaging with adults or adults from engaging with youth in a sexual way. Um, and we, you know, we, we should expect more from these companies. And, and this is one of the reasons why we as an organization are pushing for um, better regulation, better legislation in this space to help protect the children that are engaging with these, uh, these systems on a regular basis. What would that look like? Uh, what would that look like in terms of trying to 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 hold certain companies to account for what's happening on their platforms? Well, I think part of it would be to put some mechanisms in place for uh, you know for reporting for for detecting when images are distributed on a platform. Um, you know, certainly when it comes to child sexual abuse material, making sure that the company is doing all it can to de detect and remove that child sexual abuse material from their service, um, putting things in place like uh, requirements for transparency in terms of their reporting and, and what happens on their platforms, um, you know, and, and then also looking at, at having a, a central repository of this information so that the companies, uh, you know, there's some accountability there for the companies when they are, when they aren't doing enough in this space. Um, you know, we, we look at it from the perspective of, of um, making sure that there is some sort of um, mechanism in place to, um, to, to really regulate and, and ensure that the company is doing everything that they can in terms of the detection. We know that there are systems out there that can, um, can de detect online luring and, and conversations or at least uh, highlight concerning conversations on platforms. And, you know, I, I would say that, that companies should go as far as that because 
um, you know, it's it's not necessarily about reporting, but it's in, about ensuring that they are protecting their users and, and raising the priority of um, concerning conversations on their platforms. A lasting, anything lasting about this particular case you'd like people to know about? Is there any lesson we should be walking away from in this one? Well, I think if you as a parent are concerned about something that's happened online, or if you have a gut feeling that something isn't right, trust your instincts. You know, we, we pay attention to those behavioral changes and, uh, and report either to your local police or to cybertip.ca or reach into us to ask for advice on a situation. We have a, we operate both, a, you know, our online uh, contact form as well as a toll-free line that, that parents can call in to look for advice on situations and, and we can help walk you through them. Stephen Sauer, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, Ben.